Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the global food supply chain and speak with experts working to support a planet of plenty. Hello, I'm Michelle Michael. In this special series of Ag Future, we're talking with those working along the food supply chain about the impact of COVID-19. My guest today is Dr. Christy Scott, a veterinarian for Issei in Maryland. Uh, Issei is an Integrated Egg Laying and Production Facility. Christy, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little about your role in the industry? Yeah, um, I am the staff veterinarian for East America, and I'm in charge of the health and welfare for about 6 million birds located in South Carolina, Georgia, Maryland, Delaware, and New Jersey. I also take care of the food safety plans for six uh, shell egg plants as well as one liquid egg plant. Can you elaborate for me a little bit on what that means? Explain your role in food safety. Um, Well, basically, I uh, make sure that our plants are following the uh, protocol that I've put in place for our safe quality food programs that we have for our customers to make sure that we have a good product that's going out that's uh, safe for consumers. And um, we have different audits that we go through, not only from our customers, but well as third parties that come in and make sure that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing according to the uh, global food safety standard that's out there for um, uh, any kind of food product that is being produced. And uh, I do that for all of our different plants. Boy, in the middle of a pandemic, I can only imagine how uh, your role has changed with COVID-19. How is how is your day-to-day job changing? What's the current state of things where you're located? Well, I'm based out of South Carolina. And at the beginning of this, we basically put a stop to all travel. Normally, I travel to all the different locations. So I haven't been able to travel to the different locations and and kind of be there to help and see and and do what needs to be done. So I've been uh, working via email and text and phone calls and kind of trying to help out where I can that way. And um, the the biggest difference has been that people kind of turn to the veterinarian for more expertise in the science side of this and asking questions that um, healthcare providers are trying to answer. What are some of those specific questions that they're coming to you with at this time? Well, how this coronavirus is different than the coronavirus that we see in the chicken houses that we vaccinate for, how this coronavirus is going to be spread from people to people, how can we keep our people safe, how um, are we going to be able to keep our plants running if we do get people sick, and how are we going to be able to disinfect our plants so that we can keep running because the chickens don't care if we have sick people and don't have anybody to pack the eggs, they're still going to lay eggs. 
Now, speaking of some of those plants, the layer industry in the U.S. has had to switch from breaker eggs to shelled eggs to help adjust to uh, restaurants closing and and grocery stores uh, booming. Before I ask you what that really means, I want to give our listeners just a little bit of uh, basic bird information. So when you go to the supermarket, most eggs are are large eggs. There are medium eggs. Um, Those are the shelled eggs. Also, you see cartons of eggs, egg whites, mixed eggs, et cetera. Uh, Those are from the breaker egg market. Is that a correct understanding of the two things? Well, shell eggs, um, basically breaker eggs come from shell eggs. We take shell eggs and take them to a specialized plant where we break them open, take the juice out of the inside of the egg, and then plants will then take those eggs and put them in muffins or they'll put them in waffle mixes. Um, And what the biggest shift is the places that utilize the liquid eggs are not running because people are not going to restaurants. People are not going to um, buy the convenience store convenience items as much. They're baking at home. So they're needing shell eggs. They're not needing liquid eggs that are already processed in a product. They're also, um, Kids aren't in school and people aren't at work, so the liquid eggs that would have gone into those programs aren't being used. So that whole market just stopped completely. And it's very hard to shift from putting eggs into, you know, taking eggs that were going into a shell, into a liquid egg, and then putting it into a shell because some of those plants, the eggs come right out of the chicken house and go into a operation that cracks open the egg right away. There's no packing it in a carton. There's no putting it on a flat. There's nothing. It's right out of the chicken house into a liquid egg plant. So that liquid egg now has no home. So that's one problem. The other problem is is that Sometimes these plants were set up so that they were packing on flats that go into um, like Denny's or IHOP or uh, some of these other restaurants. And those restaurants are no longer serving or if they are serving, they're very, very limited service and at a very reduced rate. So they don't have the packaging or the the customer base or the ability to just take those eggs out of that uh, flat and just go ahead and say, okay, now we're just going to go right into the grocery store. It's It's a logistics nightmare to be able to get those eggs out of that Uh, direction and into the grocery store. It's not just a flip the switch and okay, here we go. Are breaker eggs and shelled eggs processed the same? I know you talked about, you know, we, you have this market for eggs, but restaurants are closed. Um, Those breaker eggs can't simply just go to a store. Um, Talk about that processing plant situation and and why that's the case. Well, breaker eggs and shell eggs are processed the same up to a point. Uh, They're all washed. They're all, um, kind of graded. Now with shell eggs, they're graded based on, you know, external factors like the the shell has to be, you know, smooth and it has to be, you know, um, 
clean to a certain extent, then it has to not be cracked and it has to be a certain size. And that's the kind of grading we do for, for shell eggs to go into a carton for the final consumer. On a liquid egg plant, the eggs after they're washed, we have people that are looking for, you know, the broken shells, but they're looking to see if they're leaking outside of the shell. And then they're also looking to see, you know, if there's any internal problems that they want to pull out the egg because, you know, we're just taking the juice out of those eggs. So the process is similar in that they're washed, but from that point on, it's very different. I wonder if you can talk to us about the effect um, on the actual birds. Do do they have shorter lifespans? Does this all change the amount of eggs they lay if you're trying to go from, from breaker eggs to shelled eggs, for example? Uh, no, and the only difference might be the type of bird that we use. You know, some breaker markets, they're going to use a bird that lays a very big egg because they want the most juice out of the egg that they can get, especially if they're going right from the chicken house into the breaking plant because they don't handle the eggs, so they're not going to be broken in any way. They're just going to go right in, be washed, and be opened up and get all that juice out. Whereas when you have a shell egg market, you know, eggs that are going into a grocery store, you want a certain percentage of large eggs and a small percentage of extra large and maybe even a little tiny percentage of um, jumbo eggs and even a smaller percentage of medium eggs, because we still do have that market, that, you know, we need a variety in there. And the shell has to be such that it needs to hold up to being packed into a carton and then handled again and taken to a grocery store to where it'll be put on the shelf. And people will open up that carton and see that those shells are still intact and and they want to take it home to their house. Speaking of eggs um, on the the stores at uh, supermarkets and grocery stores around the globe, um, I, I wonder if, and I know the panic buying has died down somewhat at this point, but are grocery stores requesting more eggs now due to a, a higher demand because of this pandemic? Um, yes, there's still a higher demand. And depending on when you hit the grocery store, it's interesting, you know, if you get there, you know, when they normally get their egg shipment, you know, some companies are getting their same shipment that they've always been getting just because that's, you know, the amount they get. And so that's what they're getting. Um, some companies are set up that, you know, when they hit a certain level, that's when it orders automatically in their system. So they're having, you know, more and more ordered. And so it, it has to do with the different stores and how their ordering system is. Um, it's more of a logistics matter. And um, I think that people are still buying a lot more eggs just because they're cooking at home. Kids are not back in school. So it's something easy somebody can make for breakfast. It's something they are uh, baking comfort foods at home. So they need eggs for baking. Um, people are realizing how many things that they cook that they put eggs in. And not even, you know, realizing, oh, yeah, we when we make this, we actually put eggs in this. So they're having to buy more eggs than they were in the past when they were eating out more. So with that large demand for eggs right now, uh, how does that impact producers in North America? Well, it's it's interesting. Um, the The liquid egg market is 
basically zero. Um, it, it's gone. And um, with the shell egg market, it is starting to drop off just because the liquid egg producers and the producers that can change from um, packing eggs that went to the restaurants to go to the grocery stores are now starting to flood the market that way. So it's starting to come back down. And so it will, you know, there was a small jump in, in uh, prices, but now it's starting to come back down because it's starting to flood the market again. I'm curious if you can explain how easy or or how difficult it would be to change the bird to lay eggs for the table egg market, for example. Uh, that's not something that you just go in there and say, hey, girls, we need to, to now just lay large eggs. Um, you have to really plan that ahead of time. You have to kind of feed her and and set her up so that that's what you want to do. That, you know, if you want all extra large and jumbo eggs because either that's what your market is or that's what you're you're doing for a liquid egg then you go in there and you light you give them light to stimulate lay or you go in there and you um, feed them based on that's what you're looking for when you want to change to just getting more of a large market which is what eggs are usually what people buy in the grocery store in our area at least is large um, you have to think ahead and, you know, kind of think about what kind of protein you want to feed her, when you want to give her light, how much light you want to give her. And changing that late and lay is not something that you can just go in there and flip a switch. It, it's, it's a lot harder than that. It sounds like it's, it's quite a process. Uh, this increased demand, um, does that impact pricing? Yeah. And like I said, it was very short lived. It, it was very short where, you know, there was a small jump in prices, but it wasn't a lot. And then, you know, we're very good at everybody kind of rallies and gets eggs where they need to be. And eventually it will real quick level out and there'll be plenty of eggs in the market and it'll be a flood again. And the prices will um, be back down to a, a level that, you know, eggs, are selling below what it costs us to make. Is there is there a difference in is there a difference in nutritional value with a shelled egg versus a breaker egg for humans? No, ma'am. I'm curious if you can talk about um, what you see as potential long term impact on the poultry industry because of this pandemic. It's going to make people more aware of where their food comes, at least on the short term. Unfortunately, people, I think, are, um, they forget very easily. So they will forget that, you know, our teachers should be paid a million dollars and that our farmers are some of the most important people out there because we all need to be fed and that the truck drivers that get the food and the supplies to the grocery stores are very important. They'll forget that sooner than rather than later. But on the poultry industry, I think people will realize that ultimately we can't do this without the the people that are working and are considered essential. We so appreciate all of their efforts. Um, Christy, are there consumer trends 
in the midst of this pandemic that you find interesting or relevant? Um, I think it's interesting that, that people are baking and cooking comfort foods um, because it gives them, you know, a, a sense of normalcy. We all like comfort foods. <laughs> Christy, you've been doing this for almost two decades. Um, ha- have you ever seen anything like this in the industry? I mean, people talk about this pandemic and the word we keep hearing over and over again is unprecedented. Is the impact in the industry also unprecedented and something that you've never really seen or felt before? Never. Um, I thought that the the flu, the AI that that hit the industry and 2015 could never be topped. And this has definitely topped it by far. You talk about AI, that's avian influenza. Can, can you describe how that was different than, than what we're experiencing today in the industry? Um, I think because people were more aware of what um, flu does to people. And so people were more willing to accept uh, that we needed to control it and we needed to get this stamped out and we needed to to get this under control. It devastated the industry um, in the Midwest, definitely, and um, was an eye-opener for a lot of people on how to handle um, our biosecurity and how to keep things uh you know, in check and how to monitor and how to look for things. And, but I think people were more willing to accept it and more willing to, to go with it because they understand, you know, flu and they understand, okay, we need to to control this. When this coronavirus hit, I think it was, it was so novel and so unique that, that it just kind of was hard for everybody to wrap their head around. It was hard for everybody to kind of figure out how to, to make this happen and how to, um, you know, make a normal life out of this and why we needed to do the things that we're doing. And, um, you know, there's still people out there that, you know, like, Oh no, this isn't real. This is a hoax. And you're like, well, you know, maybe not, you know, we might need to, to keep, you know, figuring this out, guys, and and getting this under control. You mentioned biosecurity. Has it changed once again with COVID-19 as it did, as you mentioned, with avian influenza? Um, I think it made people realize that you can only control what is happening at the facility. And that's all biosecurity really is, is you can only control what is happening right there. And, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I, I can't ask people to wear a mask, even though they're standing shoulder to shoulder in this plant because they ride to work together. And I said, you know, you've, you've got to control what's happening at your facility. You can't control what happens outside your facility. That's what biosecurity is about. That's what, you know, all this biosecurity, even with people, is about is is controlling what's happening at the facility, um, and making sure that you know, we we keep animals safe as well as people safe. A lot of people you you said have been turning to you to ask you questions specifically about COVID nineteen. Uh, what are what are people feeling? What are their emotions? What's on their mind right now? Um, it, it's a it's a very 
wide array. It's it's interesting to see how how different people are reacting to this. I've got everything from oh my god, I've got the corona and I'm dying to um, you know panic to to sorrow to um, you know this is a hoax and and we all just need to get it and get over with it. Well, we certainly hope that uh, around the globe, we return to whatever our new normal is going to be sooner rather than later. Christy, take care of yourself. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. For additional resources on COVID-19, visit Alltech.com. This has been Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts.